Welcome to the College Scoops podcast. I'm your host, Moira McCullough, and today we are talking with Abby Siegel on strategies for deferrals and waitlist. It's another chance at acceptance is how I like to look at it. It's not a rejection. It's a, we're giving you another chance to maybe show us a little bit more about you. This is the College Scoops Podcast, and I'm your host, Moira McCullough. We focus on everything college-related, from the admissions process to where to eat, stay, and explore on and around campuses. Our guests include founders, educators, authors, and experts in the college space. Join us as these experts share their knowledge, experiences, and lessons learned to help you have stress-free, informative, and tasty college journeys. Whether it's your first or last child going to college, or you're just interested in going to a college town for a game or meal, we've got you covered. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the College Scoops podcast to get the inside scoops on everything college-related, and leave us a review. Thanks to all of our sponsors, partners, and the entire College Scoops ambassador team for helping us bring valuable content to our community. If you would like to support College Scoops as a sponsor, please head over to Patreon at patreon.com slash college scoops and sign up as a sustaining listener, insider, or deluxe sponsor. We have exclusive benefits for our members and even a College Scoops care package. Abby Siegel and Associates is a boutique independent college counseling firm that offers college admissions counseling for high school and transfer students. Founded in 2006 by a former school-based college guidance counselor, Abby makes applying to college exciting and fun for her students. The primary goals at hand are finding the colleges that are the right fit so that students have a successful and rewarding post-secondary experience and help reduce the anxiety and stress families feel during this time. Abby works closely with students and their families to ensure that deadlines are met, goals are set and achieved, and students are happy and excited about the colleges they choose to attend. She offers several options to work together, ranging from a one-time consultation to a full package that includes assistance with every aspect of the college admissions process. Welcome to the College Scoops podcast, Abby. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. You have worked with high school students for so long. What keeps you going? What inspires you to continue to help these high school students find a place that they can call home? I think it's all about fit. I'm really, really, really into fit. And living in New York, but working with students from all over the world, the one thing I see that's consistent is that a lot of my students are looking at the same schools. They're still looking at rankings. They're still looking at lists and thinking, I have to go to the best school I can get into. When I can tell you from experience, it really should be about what is going to be the best fit. My whole motivation is I want these students to go away and I want them to have a very positive educational experience that's right for them. I don't want them to call me and say, I'm miserable. I can't find my people. I don't like the classes. And I tell them, you're going to have to compromise on some of the things you're looking for in a school, but I do my absolute best to try to find from all the information I gather from them, where are you going to fit in best? And I always equate it to like matchmaking, but I'm not matching you with a person. I'm matching you with a school. And much like a person, everyone has their quirks. Everyone has their things. You might love somebody, but there are things about them that might annoy you or things about them you wish were just a little bit different. But what are the things that you can compromise with? I'm like, are you going to be annoyed if you have to take out the trash every day? Or is that something you can really live with because the other person is going to bring you so much joy in so many other areas? And that's like at colleges. 
You know, are you going to be happy in class? Are you going to have professors that you like? Are you going to meet people that you are going to be lifelong friends with? Are you going to make connections for post-graduation that could help you? You know, are you going to just be all around happy? is what I really care about most. We went on the first time we talked for so long because it, mm -hmm. it resonates with everything that we do at College Scoops. And as a mom, seeing the journey through my three kids, you said something that's so key and so important for students and parents to realize that it's a balance. You may have mm -hmm. certain, I must have this at a particular school, the surrounding environment, but as you learn more and more about the different schools that are out there, the different communities and the vibe and feel of different schools, it may shift. And that's all part mm -hmm. of the learning process and the journey that you go through with families, working with students and parents through this journey. And we're getting into the time frame where a lot of questions that were asked, and that's why we've asked you to come on and share your expertise, is all about wait lists and deferrals. What happens when you have that news that comes out? Mm -hmm. What's the best way to manage that? So can you share a little bit about, even explain the two scenarios? So a deferral happens when a student applies to college, either through early action, which is a non-binding agreement, early decision, which is a binding agreement, or ruling admission, which is sort of like when students apply throughout the year and colleges make a decision, or they might roll over your application into the regular decision applicant pool. A deferral happens if you apply earlier rolling and they do not make a final decision. They don't admit you, they don't deny you, but they're deferring you into the regular decision applicant pool. So it means they're just kind of pushing that back, they might want to see additional information. They might want to see what your mid-year grades are like. If you apply early decision or action, they're not going to see your mid-year grades. They'll probably ask for first quarter, but they want to see more. They might think the student could be a good candidate to enroll, but we need a little bit more. It's not a slam dunk. So they'll move you over into the regular decision pool. Those students will hear from the college if they've been admitted or denied or waitlisted with the regular decision applicants, typically mid March or later. Okay, so that's the time frame. So that's when mm -hmm. you know you go into that regular decision pool and you'll hear about the same time frame that the regular decision applicants would have. It's another chance at acceptance, is how I like to look at it. It's not a rejection, it's not a wait list. It's a we're giving you another chance to maybe show us a little bit more about you. A lot of students, I have to say, look in your applicant portal. When you submit an application, you then establish an applicant portal at most schools at least, and they may have essays in there for a student to complete. I know more and more schools are starting to do this. If you've been deferred, you go into the portal, you might have to say, yes, I'm still interested in the school. They may say, here's an additional essay that pops up. There's other things you can do as well. Do you want me to get into that? That's a big point that you just made in terms of mm -hmm. be very diligent in terms mm -hmm. of going into your portal and looking at it that because I'm sure that you've heard that students didn't and they missed out on that wonderful opportunity to continue to show their demonstrated interest and be considered in the regular decision. Absolutely. Or they didn't write the essay and therefore then they might get denied or the application is deemed incomplete. I mean, it's complete if they submitted it and got deferred, but if they didn't fill out the applicant portal deferral questionnaire, write right. the essay or whatever is required of them, they may never get an answer. And that's one thing that after working so hard to get to this point, you don't want to be excluded or not considered because of a something that you didn't realize was necessary. A minor technicality. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. In terms of what happens, you fill out that information. What type of information 
should I be submitting? Yeah, so there's a number of steps that you can take. First and foremost, you want to check that applicant portal, make sure there's nothing or if there is anything that's required that you complete all that information. Another thing that you could do is you could write an email or a letter of continued interest. You might see L-O-C-I. So the letter of continued interest, you could write that to your regional admissions representative. So every admissions office is broken into territories. So you can go on the website, go to the admissions tab and look to see who is your regional admissions counselor. And they usually list their contact information. So you could write them a letter of continued interest saying something like such and such school is still my top choice. You know, I applied to ED. I've been deferred to regular decision. It is still my top choice or I'm still really highly interested and give reasons why. I'm always, always, always telling my students, you need to be very specific because at the end of the day, they want to admit students who have shown them that they want to be admitted and they want to attend. So in that letter of continued interest, you can include things like also things, updates since you submitted the application, which some of my students are like, nothing's changed since the middle of October. But you could talk about courses that you're taking that you really enjoy. You could point out things about yourself like, you know, senior year, I'm really challenging myself with AP Calculus BC. It's very challenging, but I'm enjoying this and I'm seeking extra help or I've developed a great relationship with my teacher. I'm so glad I took the risk. You could talk about specific reasons why you love that school. You could go on the website. You could find their school paper, see what some of the things going on on campus and say, oh, I saw that you guys had a great winter carnival. I mean, I know it's COVID, but sometimes I like to pretend it's 2019, you know, but there's fun things. I saw that you guys had some performer come to campus that looked like so much fun. I hope to partake in that eventually. So really showing them that you're still doing your research and you're still interested. Another thing you can do, and I'm being, I'm going to say this, even though I'm also want to put it out there that I personally don't expect any of my families to travel. We are still in a pandemic. I'm from New York. We're very COVID safe and following the rules and all that. But if you are able to travel or you want to travel and you feel it's safe to do so, then you could go and visit that campus. You could take a tour. If you had not had an opportunity to do so, you could also continue to exercise the virtual visit opportunities. So every campus during COVID went virtual. So if you go on the website, there's plenty of tours and information sessions. See if you missed something. See if there's, you know, maybe a professor in the academic department you're interested in who'd be willing to talk to you. Continue showing that demonstrated interest for sure. I love the point that you had about exploring the website and going deeper and richer into the website, picking something that you're truly interested in. And if they had a speaker or a webinar or something that's more than like two or three clicks down, it just shows Mm -hmm. that you truly are spending time exploring and trying to get to know the community and almost maybe turn it around too and how you would be able to engage and like give back. That's an opportunity to say, and here's how I would fit in to your community by giving back XYZ. So I think that's a really important point. It's there for them to take advantage of. Absolutely. And then also like things in the additional, in the letter of continued interest, you could talk about, you know, again, things that you might enjoy in school, any sort of updates, maybe you've joined a club or you got a job, even if it's like a seasonal job over winter break, a lot of stores do that where you can go work for three or four weeks and help them out. Any sort of awards or honors that you've received, or, you know, like my grades have gone up this quarter and we will be sending you a mid-year report. Anything that you feel is of interest or could help the applicant 
application. You could also ask in that letter, what else do you want from me? What else can I do? Would you like for me to update my resume even more? Would you like for me to give you another letter of recommendation, whether it's from another teacher or a supplemental rec from somebody from the outside, like an employer or a coach, you know, and just ask them, they might say we're good and we don't need anything else. And we'll let you know in March, but they may come back and they may say, you know, yeah, do you want to give us another letter of rec that you feel would have some positive input? send it our way. Totally depends on the school itself. I think that's great because you're asking them and it just is another way for you to engage and learn more about what's out there. Most already would have known the college admissions local representative. So it's just another way to keep your name in the game. And the thing about demonstrated interest, I tell all my families, that's the hill I'm going to die on in college admission. I don't care if a school's tracking demonstrated interest or not, because to me, much like the dating metaphor, it's also like buying a house, an education if you have to pay in full for private education or out-of-state public, it's a big number. It's like 350 or higher, at least, you know, whatever 70, 75 times four plus other additional expenses. And we're only- You've hit the number. I'm starting to sweat. (laughs) We're only going up, up, up with the cost of goods and services. So, you know, you want to explore, is this going to be a good fit? And one of the ways to do that through demonstrated interest, they used to travel around during the fall and then in the spring with college fairs or spring visits. And whoever that admissions rep was, is the person who's, I'd say 99% of the time coming to your high school. So if they offer those meetings, whether in person or virtual You need to go to that meeting. So if NYU came to my school, my high school, and I'm the student, I want to go there, I'm going to that meeting because you're going to meet that person, whether it's in person or virtual. So then eventually, if you have to write a letter of continued interest, you could say, dear so-and-so, it was such a pleasure to meet you when you visited my high school on such and such date. I enjoyed the information you provided, and it made me more enthusiastic about applying to your school. You know, now that I've been deferred, blah, 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 the things I previously said, you know, but you can incorporate that friendly vibe into the letter. And that person might say, oh, I totally remember you. I know who you are. Oh, yes. The familiarity, I've seen it help kids before. Well, not only that too, though, from the student's perspective, they get a better feel of the community that they're going to be a part of and proud to represent. So I always love to say it's an opportunity for you to see how they treat others as well. Exactly. If you have multiple options and certain representatives carry themselves in a way that you resonated with, that may be more reason to attend that institution than others. So, And I've had many students over the years provide that feedback to me that they felt like in their letter of acceptance, especially if the admissions counselor has written on hand or referenced their essay that they wrote, they're like, wow, they really read my application. Like they want me here. I had a student years ago with merit money, got unexpected merit money. He's like, why are they giving me money? Why? And I go, because they want you to attend. Like, how do you get somebody to do a job for you? You pay them. How do some of these schools, you know, entice students maybe to lean their way? They might give you some merit money to make it more affordable. And that was kind of the, you know, what sealed the deal for him. He really liked the school, but he's like, they really want me. I'm like, yeah, they it's do. such a good feeling so, after all that hard work for students who they're going through, yeah. as you said, the dating game and getting, as they think, rejected at various institutions or places. And then it finally feel like these people really want me. I feel good about it. Great advice for the deferral in terms of waitlisted, any type 
type of guidance and strategies that you would share with us? Yeah, somewhat similar to a wait list. If you are waitlisted, it means you have not been accepted, but you have also not been denied. That means you are waitlisted. So much like a waitlist on getting on a plane or getting into a, a restaurant, you have been put on a separate list and we're going to kind of wait it out and see how the chips fall. So if you are waitlisted at a school, that is still one of your top choices. Again, you need to check the applicant portal because most colleges are going to have you fill out a form that says, yes, I want to continue to be on the wait list. So that's step number one, and you need to do that immediately. And then after that, you can do a couple of different things. Again, you could write a continued letter of interest, you know, from let's say mid-December to mid-March, there may be a lot of additional updates. You could also point out, you know, you receive my mid-year report, you can see my grades have gone up or that I've done really well and my variety of classes. If you took more APs or honors, point that out. If you've succeeded in any sports, let's say when I was in high school, I was on ski team. That would have been perfect. We ended the season in early March. I could have updated the admissions representative. Like we made it to States and I placed X, you know, whatever position I placed. And this is what happened. Or I won like an MVP award or something, you know, you could all that information, or I've lined up a job for the summer. I'm really excited about and anything like that. And so you can still do the letter of continued interest. You could also state in that letter, if that school is still your number one choice, I would only write that if you really mean that. I say to my students, if they still don't know, you can also write, this is one of my top choices. I have loved this school since the minute I visited back whenever that date was, or from all the virtual opportunities that I pursued, this is why I continue to really love this school. And I would love to be a member of the community. You are not committing at that point. You're just saying, I'm still highly, highly interested. And then you kind of have to wait. And how the wait list usually works is that every single day from the minute those admissions decisions are released, admissions offices are tracking deposits. So they're waiting all throughout the end of March through April, how many students every single day are depositing. It's not untypical that you would have to wait until May, sometimes even June to see if a school is going to the wait list. I had a student two years ago now who heard in early April and I was shocked, thrilled, but shocked. But I mean, he was perfect on paper in every which way. They might've just said, we're just going to wait list. And maybe he was at the top of the wait list. Some schools right. rank them. A lot of schools don't. I don't know what the circumstances were, but he called me like around April 10th. I mean, I was very, very surprised. So that's unusual, but you might have to just wait. When you say some rank and some don't, is that something that a student would know? Okay. No, I mean, I guess you could ask but they're probably going to say no. It really depends because they're also waiting to see who deposit. You know, what if we got all the engineering students that we wanted and we really need more students in liberal arts and sciences? Mm -hmm. They may then look for students who are in liberal arts and sciences or have applied to those majors and want to take them. They might say, we have too many people from New York and hey, we have somebody on the wait list from Maine or Wyoming that we're really interested in. And now we're going to go with that for the geographic diversity or- you know, any other kind of diversity pieces of the puzzle that they would like to fit. Or maybe they say, we want to have more musicians. So who on the list are musicians? Another tactic that you could take that I used to do when I was a school counselor is if I had a student on a wait list and they really, really wanted to go, I would make a call on their behalf. And it just sort of emphasizes that this student is serious. If I had a student say to me, if I get in, I'm going, I personally had them sign a contract with their parents. I made them take the contract, take it home. This is like back 
we had email, but we didn't use it as much. But, you know, I wrote out a contract. You and your parents signed this that you say to me, if you get off that wait list, you're going to go because otherwise it's a bad look for me, for the high school, for the student. They may want to transfer there one day. And sometimes it worked. It really did, you know, making the call and really emphasizing that this student is serious and they want to go. And a lot of times it comes down to yield. And that's why demonstrated interest is so important. Colleges want to accept students who are going to show up in the fall. Right. And that's the bottom line. So great point. So go to your college counselor if there's school a school based counselor yeah exactly that you are dead set and you would drop anything and everything to go to that particular school that may be an opportunity where they can continue to be your advocate with admissions on their front but i love the point that you said in terms of you don't want to burn the bridge mm-hmm. for anyone else and that if that is truly your commitment it has to be the student and the parents have to be in line with that particular school so let's yeah. say may 1st comes along and you're still on a wait list i know we had crazy waitlist scenario last year and mm-hmm. people were expecting students to be accepted off the waitlist late into the summer. And I don't think that really happened, did it? Mm-mm. Not to the yeah. way that they were like forecasting, saying, oh my gosh, we may go into August. So that's unusual. That's really unusual. And I also want to preface it too. Like if I had a student who said to me and signed that contract, you know, 15 years ago when I was doing that, you know, when it got to be July, August, and they let me know I got off the wait list, I'm not going to hold them to the contract. I mean, by then, I think mentally a student has moved on, you know, by then they might've gone to orientation at their other school. They've gotten a roommate. They are focused elsewhere where their original dream is over and like, oh, I got off the wait list, but it's, you know, it's like July or August. They're like, I'm done. I'm out. I I don't care anymore. But what happened is in 2020 with COVID, there's something called the common data set. And if you just Google a school and Google common data set, you'll see this form that colleges are required to give to the Department of Education. And if you go to section C, you'll see all the admission statistics, how many men and women applied, how many were accepted, how many enrolled. And a lot of schools will put their waitlist information. So sometimes at really selective schools, I was seeing, you know, there may be 5,000 students on a waitlist, which is incredible. But again, that was in March of 2020 when the world kind of exploded and everything was uncertain. As everything was unfolding with COVID, all of a sudden international students are unable to travel. Students who were going to be freshmen or maybe were going to be going back to school, sophomores or juniors decided not to go. They decided to do a gap year because that was more appealing than sitting online on Zoom in their parents' house. So there were more spaces available and a lot more kids got off the wait list that year, including at schools like Stanford and Georgetown, which very rarely if ever go to the wait list. So then when I was looking for 2021, this past year's class, now freshman in college, the wait list numbers were not as high, but they still were. I mean, we still didn't have international students being able to come. They could still go to school online in their home countries, but now beds have opened. Mm -hmm. And I know of students, I have a lot of friends with kids in college and their students are abroad. So that does also free up more beds. So that's why enrollment management is a very tricky profession because you got to factor in all those things. Like, where are we going to put these kids? And also there may be more students that they're allowing off campus that that might not have lived off campus at a younger age. Sophomores or juniors are now living off campus because they need to have students have their own room on campuses. A lot of campuses did not have a lot of space because everyone now got a single that would have been in a double or a triple. And they're allowing students to live off campus to allow more space. And for those kids to have the freedom to, you know, hopefully be safe and follow the COVID rules 
rules, but not have to be amongst the general population all the time. So much there. I remember last year listening to some of the stories with the waitlist scenarios, and typically in missions too, we'll have a call, a webinar or a Zoom call with students on waitlist so that they can ask questions in terms of waitlist scenario like, how likely is it? When do you see it opening up? So to your point, always look in the portal or always mm -hmm. looking at your emails to make sure that the schools may come out with some type of event to explain the waitlist scenario and what they expect. And I also like what you said before in terms of mentally too, at some point, it's been a long process of marathon and you've crossed the finish line and you have some choices. So mm -hmm. at what point do you want to move on? And that's something I think students has to get to that point where mentally they're ready to move on. And as a parent, you could have other ideas. Yeah. Advice for parents, Abby, feel mm -hmm. free to give us any advice as parents, you know, to also help. It's exciting to be in that position, but it's also mm -hmm. stressful because you still don't have an answer. Yeah. I mean, I think with the wait list, you have to kind of move on. You have to think, what are my other options? You know, for me, I'm always telling my students and their families, I want you to have options. The only time I don't want you to have an option is if you've been accepted early decision. That's a great option. And you have right. one option and that's that because you've made an agreement to go to that school. So, you know, with the wait list, it's like, I would highly encourage families to really focus on what your student has versus what they do not have. Years ago, I had a family where the student was deferred early decision and then she was accepted, but for the spring semester and for a general studies program, she had six other acceptances to very nice schools, good schools too. And all the mother could think about was why didn't my student get into the number one school? She did everything she should have done. She's a good kid. She deserves this. I looked at her and I said two things. First of all, I said, well, I'm a good kid who thinks I I deserve things too, but I don't get everything I ever wanted. Meanwhile, I was not a kid at the time, but I always think of myself as a kid, but uh, <laughs> I think my parents are still here. So I'm their kid. And second of all, I want you, and I need you to focus on the six acceptances because when you are not doing that, you are invalidating those choices for your daughter. And she ended up going to the school, but she had to make concessions. She had to wait a semester and then she had to go to a general studies program and take the courses they assigned her to take and then move in to the general population, whatever school within that university she chose. I think also for parents, this has been a lifelong struggle for me. I mean, not with my family, but with families in this business for 25 years is this is not your journey. Your journey is over. This is not your do over because you are not going to live in the residence hall with your child. Your journey is done. You are an adult. You have raised another human being to have their own experience. And I make that really nicely clear in my initial consultations. I have been to college. I've also been to grad school. Have you been to college? You've been to college or some of my families, they parents haven't been to college and that's fine too. But now it's what's best for this person, not you, not you and not me. I don't care where you go. I want to care where you go so that you're happy and healthy. But if you tell me I'm going to go to my local community college for two years and then transfer. Oh, okay. That's what you want. Great. It's the child's journey, not ours. It's so important. And that reminder continues on at different points mm -hmm. of the journey. The other thing I forgot to add is with the wait list as well. Let's say you put your name on the wait list. And as a student, you know that you'd rather go to college 
B. Take mm -hmm. your name off the wait list. Be Great thoughtful and kind to take your name off the wait list because that is just holding up somebody else who's that is their number one spot. I don't call the schools safety schools. I call them favorable schools because when I worked as a school counselor at New Canaan High School back in the day, that's what they called it. And I have been, I think, positively brainwashed for that because nothing is really a safety. Even if you think I am well overqualified for a school, like they should be so lucky if I'm enrolled. If you don't show interest and you just send in an application, they may think that you don't really want to go there. So why would they enroll you or why would they accept you if you don't want to go there? They'd rather have kids who actually show interest and want to be there. But yes, when I have students that get in early decision or if they get in somewhere early action and they say to me, I would rather go here than some of the other schools I've applied to, but mm -hmm. I'm going to wait to see what happens with regular decision. That's fine. But rescind your applications to schools that you are not interested in because what you constitute to be a backup or a favorable or a safety, whatever you want to call it, is someone else's dream. A piece of advice my father gave me when I moved into college, he whispered two things in my ear. The first thing was think about yourself, worry about yourself. It took me a long time to figure that out, even as basic as it sounds. But I try to tell my students that don't worry about what your friends are doing. Parents, don't worry about who else's kid got in here and their grades were lower than your kids and their test scores were lower. They're not as accomplished as your student. You don't know what their circumstances really are. You just don't. Right. And the other piece of advice, what he whispered in my ear was, you'll never live in my house again, which was great, <laughs> even though I was the good kid. But it set me up because that was back in our day where kids would like move home after college and like hang out and work and save money. And I was like, all right, that's that's fine. And it motivated me. I never thought about that as a plan. That was never plan A or B or C or D. And that's it. Your father and I would get along very well. I had the set of parents who were like, go as far away as you want. We're fine with that. But you know, it came down also. And I think this is why I tell my families, like, keep an open mind. You don't need to have the kids an hour away. I mean, unless they got issues or whatever that they should be close to home. But I think because my mom, she actually went away to college and like got out of town and had that experience. She's like, I wanted you to have an experience like that. And for me, the operative word of going away to college was away. If your dream school is an hour from your house, I have no issue with that either. But keeping an open mind, thinking outside the box and don't poo-poo a school and be like, oh, just because you know somebody who you didn't like that went there, you know, Absolutely. or some kid from your high school who you don't think that highly of went there. That's one out of thousands. Each interaction, you always learn something else about a particular school, an area mm -hmm. that you like, the people, the community. So it's always good to keep exploring and be curious because once you do find that right fit, you're going to know. Abby, we always like to ask our guests two last questions. What do you wish you knew before attending college? You know, one of the things I actually wish I thought about ahead of time, I don't regret it, but I, I wish I thought about it was where do students typically end up after graduation? And I don't think it's as much of a big deal anymore because of social media. I graduated from college a very long time ago. I have a reunion this year and, you know, we didn't have internet, social media. I didn't have any of that till graduate school. So it was a lot more challenging to keep up with friends, to visit people and things like that. So I'm from the Northeast. I went to school in the Southeast and a lot of my friends stayed in Nashville where we went to school or they went to Atlanta, Dallas, which are all nice places, but I didn't want to stay in the South. 
I loved it. It was a wonderful experience. And I actually lived in Nashville for a couple of years from 2015 to 18, part-time sort of testing it out. But nobody was at the time was coming to New York, nor did I want to live in New York, but I had an opportunity to live in Chicago, which is what I did. And I had maybe two friends from college that went there. And one was a very dear friend of mine, but she was in law school and got married and, you know, was busy with that. And then my other friend, I knew her as an acquaintance. We became very good friends and she ended up marrying my cousin. But over time, because I loved it so much there and I wouldn't stop talking about how much I love Chicago, one by one, all my friends started moving there. Then they kind of left and then I left. So I think it's also important to think about depending on what you want your occupation to be. And this might be more for graduate school. Like if you want to practice law or practice medicine or business or anything, where are those opportunities going Mm -hmm. to be? Especially with law, passing the bar. You know, if you want to pass the bar and live in New York, you might want to think about going to law school in the state of New York. You know, and same, I had a student two years ago with dental school. She's like, I want to be a dentist one day. And I don't do dental or medical school admissions, but from the research I did do, there's not that many dental schools. So you have to think about where are those dental schools going to be or what's the path to get there as an undergraduate. And a lot of the dental schools save space for the undergraduate student. So I wish I kind of thought a little bit more about like where my friends live after college, but none of that's a guarantee. And now with social media, I mean, you can see them every day, all day on the TikTok and the Snapchat and the Instagram. Like, I feel like I'm living my friends' lives with them when they go on trips, especially like I don't even need to ask you how your vacation was because like I saw it play out on Instagram. You know, I've asked this question to every single guest and came up with a very unique answer and one that I think is really, really valid and something to Mm -hmm. consider because although you can have that virtual connection, if you are in a Southern school, like you said, and you want really finance, you want to be in New York, think Mm -hmm. about that alumni connections and where the opportunities might be because it might not be New York. Yeah. If your dream is to work at Goldman Sachs, then what are the undergraduate schools that are recruiting at Goldman Sachs? And they're very limited and they're highly, highly, highly selective schools. The school you want to go to, who's hiring and where are those companies located are looking to see where are they sending students to graduate schools? Absolutely. Um, You know, that kind of thing. No, it really does. And I think now, especially when you graduate, if you are virtual, a lot of companies are virtual still, and you pick Mm -hmm. a city to live in, it really is something like, where are your people? What are you going to do when you get out of work and the people that you're going to socialize with? So it's really something that should consider. We are all about food. Is there a favorite food spot on a college campus that you would drive to or fly to just for that particular food? Absolutely, yes. And anyone who knows me knows that my favorite place in the entire world is the most amazing, I don't know if I'd call it a restaurant per se, but the most amazing place in the world is called San Antonio Taco Company. And it's just off the campus at Vanderbilt University where I went to college. It is the greatest place on earth. It is a, they say taco in the title, we call it Satco. It is right behind the main library at Vanderbilt, behind the business school and the law school, just right off campus. There is a awesome outside deck that everybody hangs out in and you can go inside, you fill out a pad and you like put your order there. Everyone who works behind the counter there is the nicest, friendliest person. Thank you so much for all your helpful tips and making us hungry and knowing where to go (laughs) when we go to Nashville. You're welcome. 
Thank you, Abby, for explaining deferrals and waitlists to us. Students need to check their portals to get relevant information regarding their application status. Admissions offices may offer a webinar to explain the waitlist pool and expectations for any movement. Ask your admissions representatives if there is any additional information you can submit to show your continued interest. Continue to discuss your opportunities with your college counselor in case they can advocate for you as well. You can find all of our show notes and links to the helpful resources mentioned throughout our conversation on our website at collegescoops.com slash podcast. You can learn more about Abby and Abby Siegel and Associates on our website. Please take a couple minutes to rate, review, and subscribe to College Scoops. Thank you for listening to our College Scoops podcast. Our entire College Scoops team strives to make the college journey a little bit easier, less stressful, fun, and tasty by sharing all the inside scoops we have curated along the way. We would love to hear from you about topics to cover and your ideas on everything college-related. Reach out to us at collegescoops.com or follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook.